Welcome to Aging in Full Bloom with Lisa Stockdale, sponsored by Capital Healthcare Network, an Ohio-based, family-owned and operated company providing solutions that help seniors age on their own terms. Those solutions include home care, senior living, nursing home and rehab care, and hospice. Learn more at CapitalHealthCareNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We are smack in the middle of summer 2020, and there's a lot going on. Well, there's also a lot that isn't going on or happening because of the virus. Some of us are working from home. Some of us are out of work. Vacations have been canceled, postponed, or modified. We've got politics, politics, and more politics, breaking news, fake news, with an election looming right around the corner, social unrest, protesting, rioting, racism, COVID-19, I'll say COVID-19 again, a challenged healthcare system, issues and concerns about our children returning to school, smoldering heat in some parts of the country, which makes wearing these masks particularly challenging, and we're being encouraged to refrain from or limiting limit gathering. That means different things to different people, but one thing I think we can all agree on There's a lot going on. And with so much going on, I think it's real easy to lose perspective. When I say it's easy to lose perspective, don't worry. I am not going to tell you what to think (laughs) or how to make meaning of or make sense of or assign meaning to anything or everything that's happening. Instead, I'm just going to ask you, listeners, um, and us in the studio to take a moment, take a deep breath, and try to keep it all in perspective. And I have a guest in the studio who is going to help us do just that, Mrs. D. Mrs. D did a podcast with me some weeks back where she talked about getting brave and asking for and accepting the help that you need as you age. If you haven't heard that one, go back and take a listen. Um, that podcast drew an overwhelmingly positive response. I've had the privilege of hearing her story during an interview where she sort of talked about her life story in pieces. Recently, I've given a lot of thought to some of what she shared during that interview because I believe understanding the past helps us understand the present, or at least it helps us see the bigger picture. I think that's what keeping it in perspective is all about. It's about understanding what is happening now or what might happen in relationship to what has happened or in relation to other people, places, and experiences. Keeping it in perspective is the exact opposite of tunnel vision. And I'm confident that Mrs. D can help us keep it in perspective. So without further ado, Mrs. D, I remember you sharing a story about leaving Mississippi in fear for your life and the lives of your children and husband because of racism. Tell us all about it. Oh, back in the, I think the early 60s or between the early 60s and mid 60s, my uh, kid's dad and I had gone to Mississippi to visit with the aunt and uncle that raised my mom. Okay. And um, we had the three small kids. At that time, there weren't any seat belts, so they were all on the back seat of the car. Hey, I even remember those days. <laughs> and uh, Throw they them probably in a station wagon, right? Well, we're in the station no. wagon. This was a little Valiant, a little okay. blue Valiant, you know. And um, we had visited that weekend because the kids' dad used to be uh, 
the director of the Civil Rights Commission uh, in uh, Nashville. Okay. So he also wanted to visit the um, office, the voter registration office, while we were there to see how things were going because some of the workers that had come from various parts of the the states to help with the voter rights were there, and he wanted to see how that was going. Well, obviously, that particular office was being, you know, surveilled, surveilled by the uh, police there in in this in Mississippi. Okay. And when they um, so the local police department was watching. They were watching, okay. and so they obviously watched where he went in and where where he went when he left there. And he came back to my aunt and uncle's, uh, my great aunt and uncle's home. So when it was time for us to leave that weekend, we were traveling out of uh, Mississippi, down 65, and we noticed uh, this pickup truck behind us. And it had that rifle in front of the windshield, and that uh, that big flag that they always that they are talking about now that they the Confederate flag that's what it was up uh-huh. there, and they trailed us for oh at least I want to say thirty five or forty miles just to be sure that we weren't turning off going to visit you know or trying to get people to vote because if you recall during that same time. It was a time when three of the guys from up in the north had gone down to the latter part of Mississippi, and they found them dead up under this all this red clay. The FBI had infiltrated one of the organizations and found out where they were. So we did not turn. We knew not to turn off the road. But it was a very, very frightening experience. And it's not that I didn't know about the South. I knew about the South. My man, my mother and father and grandmother and all, they they taught you what you're supposed to do when you go from the North to the South or from the South to the South. What were I, you supposed to do? What did they teach you? They told me. <laughs> my mother said, when I was living in Detroit, this time I was living in Memphis when we went there, but in Detroit, whenever we went South, because my sister, my mother's sister raised my oldest sister. And when school was out, she wanted to get on that train from Detroit to Chicago and from Chicago all the way down to the city of New Orleans, all the way down to Mississippi. <laughs> I did not want to do that because I did not like the country. I didn't like, it was dark. All you saw was trees You were at a night. city girl. Yeah. <laughs> Saw trees. And, of course, at that time, they didn't have street lights, And the roads had all that red clay and, and gravel on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you had to have the lanterns whenever you went anywhere. Well, I wasn't accustomed yeah. to all of that, and I didn't like that. And so the aunt and uncle that lived in Greenwood, Mississippi, they lived in what was sort of like a city. You know, they had sidewalks and stuff. And so they would come and get me and take me to Greenwood, and then my sister would stay down in the Hazelhurst area So until it was time to go back. But at any rate, when um, we went to, um, as I was saying, when they, we, we got on our way to back to Memphis, and 
finally when we got maybe 35 or 40 miles out and they finally saw that we weren't going to try to be getting voters registered or anything, they finally turned on one of those turnabouts on 65 Mm -hmm. and they went back. But you talk about a sigh of relief. When you had your babies in the car. Yeah, it was a sigh of relief. But my grandmother and my mother, she always said, now when you go south, you're going to have to do like we used to do. And she said, Dolores, I know it's going to be hard for you. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, when they, when the white folks talk to you, you have to say yes'm and no'm. I said, say what? <laughs> she said, you say yes'm and no'm. I said, for what? And she said, you just do what I said do, because if you don't, you're going to be hanging from one of those trees. They'll find oh you gosh. hanging from one of those trees. Well, that hanging from the tree is what got my attention. The other well, stuff didn't. I, I mean, would, that yes'm and no'm didn't didn't yeah. mean anything to me because we we knew how to say yes ma'am sure. and no ma'am but that yes I'm in known stuff I didn't know anything about that and so anyway well you're I, educating me Mrs. D cuz I've never heard this but obviously I didn't grow up when you grew up you are 84 about to be 85 in September right right um and so you've seen some things oh a whole lot of things I saw Quite a few things, and and in my experience, because because I have the background that I have, usually the jobs that I've always had, usually I'm the first, once they started hiring, quote, black people, at one time it was colored people, then it became black people, and of course before that it was a nigger, you know, so if you get one, you know, and I always felt that it was important for me Wherever I went, if I got the job first, I had to do the very best that I could so that I can open up an avenue for other people to come in. And that's always the way I, you know, approached how I take my responsibilities. You're a trailblazer. Yeah. You have been a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you work for our company. I don't know if we said that on this podcast. I know we did. On the last one, we talked about the fact that you work for Capital and how privileged and delighted that we feel to have you as part of our team. And I just thought it was important with everything going on that, you know, people could hear pieces of your story. Now, what about this pandemic? Have you lived through anything like this? No. I, you know, the only thing that, to me, that came, comes close, and it's not even close to what we're doing now, I've never been where we had to shut down and stay home. Never do yeah. I remember that. What I do remember growing up as when we were, had the measles or the mumps or the chicken pox, the health department or the doctor's office would have a little yellow slip that they would put on the outside your door okay. of your home to let people know that there was a person in here that has a Either contagious measles. disease. Yeah. And so, therefore, you need not go in there. Uh-huh. But I've never, ever had anything that made us stay at home uh, or had to wear the face mask yeah. or anything like that. Has this been, how has this been for you? Has, has, has this been scary? No. Have, no? No. How, how I, has it been? I believe, well, my faith comes in there because I believe that whatever the Lord has for you, that's what you're going to have. But 
I also believe that he can protect you from whatever you need to be protected from mm-hmm. if you do what is necessary to be done. And so I follow the rules. Yes. I wear my mask. Uh-huh. Um, and whenever I'm going into stores, and I try not to go in the stores that often and in crowds, yeah. I put it put it up, you know, like it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And um, and I have my sanitizers. I carry it with me wherever I go. I have a bottle that I keep with me all the time. Uh-huh. And fortunately for us here at work, we all have our little private spaces. I mean, we, we're pretty much already more than six feet apart. Uh-huh. Because, and we don't have a lot of visitors that come in and out. Right. Basically, it's just the nurses and aides that come in to get the supplies mm-hmm. that they need to take out to their patients. But I think it's so important what you're saying on this piece, that even though you're a woman of faith and you believe that God will protect you, it doesn't stop you from practicing common sense that we're told we should be doing. Right. Like right. the face mask and the social distancing and the hand sanitizer. So, because um, I have seen some people, you know, on TV talking about, oh, well, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. And they're not practicing anything that they, they should be. And then, you know... Here you go, right? And the spike goes up. Spike yeah. goes up. Now, it, it is, what is today? June 17th, I 17th, uh-huh. Lisa's birthday. That's right, yeah. June 17th. So, um, in Ohio, which is where we are, we are, depending on which news channel you listen to, either we're steady or um, we're declining. Mm-hmm. So we have been, our governor has been very serious about this from the onset, and we sheltered in home, is what they called it, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're st- our state's starting to open back up in pieces. There's still a lot of places that are closed. But the southern states and some of the uh, western states are seeing spikes, and they're seeing, you know, increases big increases so it's um i have to admit i was scared i'll tell you what scared me this is a funny maybe a funny thing to get scared by but the first time i went to the grocery store and saw all the shelves empty empty, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and everyone's got face mask on i was like what is happening am i in a this is a nightmare am i in a movie what what is going on here (laughs) Um, And then um, at first we laughed about it. I remember doing a podcast in the beginning of this and we were like, what's up with all the toilet paper? (laughs) We thought that was comical. But then it wasn't funny a couple weeks later when you couldn't get any produce or meat, Mm -hmm. you know, and now even now I think we can get meat, but it's just very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, you know, I I know people who have died from COVID-19 personally, and um, we all know of people. When I say we, I mean those of us in healthcare. Right. Those and and still some people continue to pretend or or push this notion that COVID-19 isn't real, that it's a hoax. What what is wrong with people? I don't know. I. I, I, I can't put a handle on that because when you even hear 
uh, and if those of us who've seen some of the TV broadcasts, some people have lost like four or five members of their family, one after the other, yeah. a husband and a wife and kids. And, yeah. you know, that's a lot of people in one family. That's too you know? much loss. And, it, and that's reality. Yeah. You know, it's, too much loss. Yeah. So it's why we, we take it so seriously. We do the best we can, I think, you know, when... Because mommy, my mother, is a woman of faith, and she also believes that, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. But in the meantime, you know, she'll always say, put legs on those prayers. Right, (laughs) right. you got to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've been doing what we can to safeguard ourselves. And luckily, um, we haven't had issues with our home cares. So um, we hope that keep it up continues right the case right right and i i thought you know back to your story about mississippi i thought it was important for people to hear that at this time because i think there's a lot of confusion about what's going on and why people are angry and on on all sides i won't say both sides Mm -hmm. because i think there's a lot of sides Mm -hmm. to this um, and, you know, I mean, you're someone who we love and admire, and these were your experiences. And sometimes people act like, why are people so angry? Well, people that you know have lived through things that you may not even be aware of right. because you haven't taken the time. And um, never was there a more loving person put on earth than you. And I'm sure all of your experiences they go into that. They make you who you are. Right. I, I just know that even uh, my grandmother and my uncles, my dad's brothers, my dad and his brothers, the reason we ended up out of the South was because my grandmother was told by the person that she worked for. It was an attorney. And he said to her, he said, you know, the scuttlebutt uptown is we got to get rid of those Jones boys. We were, that was our maiden name, my maiden name. And the Jones boys would be my dad, who was, and his brother. The other brother uh, died, but the two, and and my aunt. And my, uh, the, the attorney told my grandmother, he says, I have some connections, and what I will do, I'll see if I can get you on with this, these family that I know, because she worked for them. And she cooked, did the cooking, and my aunt did the cleaning. Okay. And I'll get in contact with them in, uh, in, in Michigan and see if I can get you, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you the money to go. And then you can send for your, your son. And that's what, that's how we got out of Mississippi. And, uh, my so you aunt, were encouraged to leave. Oh yeah. My aunt yeah. and uncle, the great aunt and uncle, kept me and my brother while my dad and my mother and my aunt all went and got settled. And then when they got settled and got a place to stay, then they sent for us. So did you actually grow up in Detroit? Mm-hmm. Okay. From the time I was about, I think I was maybe, well, I started school at five. So I had to be maybe four, three or four when uh-huh. they, they took us here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing these little glimpses of your life. I I think it will be important for people to hear. Um, And we are, like I said, I know I just keep telling you how much we love you. I love you. 
But it's because we do. You are a gem to us. Well, I appreciate that, but that's a two-way street, <laughs> you know. I yeah. really enjoy working and seeing people. I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I want to work at home. I don't think I would like working from home Yeah. because I want to see people. I want to greet them and and just let make them feel welcome. Which is exactly what you do Thank every you. day. Every Thank day. you. We hope you have enjoyed the program. Hope you learned a little something along the way. Till next time, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be forever at your back.